we acknowledge the Butjak people and the wider Noongar community uh, on whose country we conduct our ceremonies, uh, do our zazen uh, this evening. Uh, this is a talk on sense of wonder. Um, unfortunately, I, I don't have, I can't find my glasses, and my eyes are not good at the moment. So it will be a bit more improvised than I had anticipated. I suspect. Uh, thank you for your forbearance. sense of wonder uh, that we are here at all, uh, that we are born at all into this strange and fathomlessly vast universe, uh, and yet are here uh, right now, a tiny lit space in the middle of all of that vastness, and what's more, penetrated by uh, that vastness. Not even the floorboards are immune. A sense of wonder that there is a path that we can walk to awaken to our true and timeless nature. I remember looking into the eyes of my children uh, when they were born and thinking, so it feels so evident. You know all the secrets of the universe. There's something in that baby's eyes. And then uh, there was the joy of seeing them discover those secrets with such wonder and also my own sense of wonder at their discoveries. My earliest memory is of being alone, crawling over my father's workbench maybe aged about two, and pushing over a jar of cold three-inch uh, iron nails and hearing them hit the shed floor. The coldness of the iron and that crash uh, still evoke uh, a feeling of wonder. Yeah. I was fortunate to learn music uh, uh. <laughs> why talk about music when you've got the best music in the world I was leading a double life between the yellow sand suburb where I lived and the ancient building in the city where I learnt uh, piano accordion uh, from a great musician and great human called Harry Black. He, he had a great sense of humour. He would say things like, uh, uh, my name is a five-letter word ending in U-C-K. I remember playing my accordion uh, on the roof of Bon Marche buildings, which were the buildings, these uh, 
buildings in Barrack Street. And, uh, climbing the crippled spine of the stair, dragging my accordion up to the roof line, where jackknifed in some rusting valley, wolfing my pie and vanilla slice, I played for the angels, for the dead virtuosi, for the town hall clocks, staring back over acres of shining iron, chiming the time, doing its hoodwink of eternity, while the roof nails popped as Bon Marche buildings eased its back, baking in midsummer heat. I think I also said about uh, creating some sense of wonder in other people in the way that adolescents uh, do that stuff. The window uh, frames were, were absolutely rotten, but I remember sitting there and there was a laneway where you could see people walking past a couple of stories, three stories below. I remember sitting up there with my lunch and my grapes and pelting, well, actually couldn't see what really happened, but the, the grape would go into that void and uh, the old Italian accordion tuner and repairer who was in the next studio caught me doing this. And he, uh, he scolded me. He said, uh, you know, when I was your age, he said, I was fighting the Austrians in the Italian Alps, just to give me some perspective on what I was doing. And then he went on to say, um, how would you feel uh, being hit on your new felt fedora by a grape coming out of nowhere? He really said that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, evoking a sense of wonder, actually. <laughs> How would you feel? So I think later my, my sense of wonder was awakened by French poetry, um, discovering uh, Baudelaire, Mallarmé, Rimbaud. And um, I'm going to try and read this um, trans a translation of Rimbaud's uh, childhood from Les Illuminations. In the, woods, in the woods there is a bird, its song makes you stop and blush. There is a clock that never strikes. There's a hollow with a nest of white creatures. There's a cathedral that descends and a lake that rises. There's a little carriage abandoned in the wood or running down the lane beribboned. There's a troop of little players in costume glimpsed on the road through the edge of the woods. There's someone at last when you're hungry and thirsty who drives you away. The whole series of the early part of Les Illuminations is filled with poetry of this sort. And yeah, I think that it's full of sense of wonder. And I think that as a 17 or 18 year old, discovering this poetry and evoked just, just that in me. And in some ways inspired my path towards Zen practice itself. So in present times, uh, going to the toilet just before the dawn, the faint first light on the trees in my yard uh, also evokes that sense of wonder. If I tried to cling to it or to thingify it, uh, it's immediately gone. Sense of wonder may be a little like happiness, a fleeting happenstance. 
Yet at the same time, justice, we can say that the tenor of someone's life is happy, um, that they are a happy person. We can also encourage a sense of wonder in ourselves and in others. Although, you know, wonder feels oh, a sense of wonder so often momentary, but there is a sense that it can also pervade uh, life uh, if we are open to that possibility. Yeah, uh, uh, being there for whatever comes, that is so much the spirit of the, the way. Sometimes expressed as accepting all offers. It's the choosing, the endless choosing and the fear that drives the choosing that makes life so difficult at times. And yet when you turn up for the particular social gathering that you have been so afraid of, thinking that you'll meet this person or that and full of fear, when you turn up, it's often simply not like that at all. Um, and sometimes I think we should feel more great gratitude when we spend a whole week worrying about a social occasion and then uh, it is completely different from what we feared. So, yeah, being open, turning up, um, and a kind of experimental sense of things. Uh, we, I don't know what this will be. Hmm. You know, check it out. The beautiful lines by Ghalib. Um, if, if, you want to know, if you want to know the miracle, how wind can polish a mirror, look, the shining glass grows green in spring. It's the heart's unfolding that creates the desire to see. In every colour and circumstance, may your heart be open for what? This is easy to misread as if you want to know the miracle, how wind can polish a mirror, look, the shining glass uh, grows green in spring. It looks like grass, but it's actually glass. Look, the shining glass grows green in spring. Uh, that glass is the mirror of your essential nature itself. Mirror is just a cheap metaphor. But uh, the whole matter is completely open. Um, doesn't only grow... Uh, <laughs> the shining glass grows green in spring. It also does in autumn and winter, you know. It's all round mirror of your essential nature. Floor, candlelight, people in the dojo. The light in the window. Nothing missing. In terms of sense of wonder, not knowing is key. Not closing, not closing on uncertainty. Not jamming discourse with our opinions. Not brandishing our opinions as if they were in mutable truth. It's, 
it's not forcing ourselves on the world uh, or our opinions. The ancient distinctions between facts and opinions are, are a really useful tool in sorting out what we might say and what we might not say in situations. I can't remember the... Yeah, opinion, fact, truth, wisdom. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Like this. Mm. Also that sense of, of, of not knowing. You know, most of the situations we enter, we really do not know what we are entering in detail. Not knowing. There is that, but this is not, you know, it's so often confused with a kind of know-nothing kind of mentality where one could easily check the facts or read this or find out about this, but no, not knowing is really good, you know. But that's not the sense so much. Not knowing arises from intimacy with what is. When you are intimate with what is, there is not someone who knows and, there is, and something which is known and an act of knowing. Um, all of that falls away. Um, and you have something which is a, a much deeper sense of not knowing than um, bland ignorance, for instance. Having said that, it's all right not to know. The, most, you know, the older we get, the more evident that becomes. Um, so, yeah, uh, all of this uh, relates uh, to sense of wonder. And, you know, what are your occasions for wonder? I'm going to ask a few questions not to discuss now, but that we could take up at the end. So sense of wonder in the field of the passions. Sense of wonder seems an unlikely candidate for a passion. When we speak of the passions, we tend to think of them in terms of the drama of romantic love or the catastrophe of vengeance or the jealousy that inflames body and soul. Against all this, sense of wonder uh, can seem slender uh, and an odd fit in that. We have the philosopher, mathematician and scientist René Descartes, who lived from 1596 to 1650, to thank for the inclusion of wonder among the passions. In his final philosophical treatise, uh, The Passions of the Soul, which he completed in 1649, he wrote that there are six fundamental passions uh, from which the others derive. And they are wonder, love, hatred, desire, joy, sadness. <laughs> Such a laboured, <laughs> deliberate. <laughs> but you get the idea. 
And out of these six passions, the, the, the treatise is very elaborate. Heaps of other passions are derived, but these are the six basic uh, passions. <coughs> he writes regarding wonder. When our first encounter with some object surprises us and we find it novel, that is to say very different from what we formerly knew or from what we supposed it should be. This brings it about that we wonder and are astonished at it. This is like having a childhood friend with whom we have hung out over many years and then one day to our astonishment we realise we have fallen in love with them. This is a kind of sense of being familiar and then suddenly uh, astonished. Um, and Descartes goes on. Um, All this can happen before we know whether the object is beneficial to us. So I regard wonder as the first of all the passions. It has no opposite because if the object before us has nothing surprising about it, it doesn't stir us in any way and we consider it without passion. So <laughs> I think he's assuming that most passions have an opposite. Uh, you know, I mean, in popular imagination, hatred is the opposite of love, but I think more profoundly, uh, indifference is the opposite of love and so on. But he says that, well, uh, wonder has no, no, no opposite because if there's no sense of wonder there's no passion so it would just limp on one leg so he puts that as the first so and there's this old story uh, this Khan uh, from the book of serenity and this has a sense also of this no opposite. Um, Yangshan asked Xiongi, uh, a disciple of Matsu. Now, the Yangshan here is about 10 years old. You have to understand that. He goes on to become a really great teacher in the, what was called the School of Friendly Equals. Um, he and his teacher, Kui Shan. But here he's 10 years old. Zhong Yi, who's a disciple of Matsu, probably one of his most brilliant successors, um, who used to respond to questions with, he would put his hand over his mouth and he'd go, that <laughs> was his Dharma kind of Dharma response to just about anything he was asked. But here he's showing his compassion. Here's a 10 year old asking a question. So, Yang Shan. Uh, asks Zhongyi, uh, what does Buddha nature mean? Zhongyi said, I will explain it to you by allegory. Suppose there is a room with six windows, which correspond to the six senses. Inside there is a monkey. Outside someone shouts, monkey, monkey. It immediately responds. If someone calls monkey through all of the windows, it responds all the same. It is just like that. A great presentation for a 10-year-old. Young Shan said, the little guy says, how about when the monkey is asleep? 
this is beautiful. <laughs> How about the monkeys asleep? You know, sleep here, you know, in, in a way it's, innocent, it's simply an innocent response, you know. I, I, I'm not awake in, in that sense to understand what you mean. So there's a simple, literal thing. But sleep is very interesting. Oh, I forgot to say, um, the young Shan says, how about when the monkey is asleep? Zhong Yi immediately descended from his Zen seat, grasped Yang Shan and said, Oh monkey, I meet you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that sleep is is vast and undifferentiated. Sleep touches that matter of true and timeless nature. You know, in his um, philosophical uh, method, Desha, uh, oh, sorry, Descartes, um, the fundamental principle, the principle that could not be doubted for him. The cornerstone of his philosophy uh, was, I think, therefore I am. This couldn't realistically be doubted. There's no smoke without fire. If there are thoughts, there must be someone to think them. And yet, Pablo Neruda uh, writes in his poem, uh, Too Many Names it's called, when I sleep every night, what, I'm, what am I called or not called? And when I awake, what am I if I was not I when I slept? Your sleep plunges us beneath thought and thinking. A snore opens chasms deeper than our names and roles. So who is it who stirs in the jangle of the alarm? Who thinks? Who is the one who thinks?
this. When we speak of the passions, we tend to think of them in terms of bodily appetites, the drama of romance, and lust, the catastrophes of vengeance, all that inflames body and soul. However, George Bernard Shaw had another idea entirely, insisting that for him, there are passions far more exciting than the physical ones. Intellectual passions, mathematical passion, passion for discovery and exploration, uh, the mightiest of all the passions. And there's a wonderful count in uh, Carlo Rovelli's uh, book called Helgoland of just this, this sense of discovery and sense of wonder at discovery. And I'm going to try and uh, read this for you. This is concerned with Heisenberg, who's a young man at this time. He discovered, um, can you talk about the basics of quantum theory? He was the first to fully enter that territory. I, some years ago, well, some time ago, I was trying to read the book. It's very, very, I found it very difficult, but this really shone for me in the book. It's about the sense of discovery and the first to enter this uh, territory. So he's, he's 23 year old, he's terribly allergic to pollens, um, so he goes to Helgoland in the North Sea, which has got, apparently, he said, only one tree on the, in the whole place, a completely barren uh, island. And, uh, there he starts to work at try and work out the, the, the mathematics, what happens when electrons jump out of their orbits and how you handle those problems. And, uh, and here he is. Um, when the first terms seemed to come right, I became excited making one mathematical error after another. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that how discovery is made? <laughs> yeah, I got excited and there was one error after another. But as a consequence, it was around three o'clock in the morning when the result of my calculations lay before me. It was correct in all terms. Suddenly, I, I no longer had any doubts about the consistency of the new quantum mechanics that my calculations described. At first, I was deeply alarmed. I had the feeling that I had gone beyond the surface of things and was beginning to see a strangely beautiful interior. And I felt dizzy at the thought that now I had to investigate this wealth of mathematical structures that nature had so generously spread out before me. Surely a matter of special wonder. Talking of special wonder, um, there's the story of the monk who asked Pai Chang, um, what is a matter of special wonder? Pai Chang answered, sitting alone on Daiyu Peak, this great mountain on which the, his monastery stood. That's, so the, the monk asked, what is a matter of special wonder? He's talking about realization. Um, sitting alone on 
die you paid. And the monk goes, oh. <laughs> Fire truck immediately hit him. Uh, matter of special wonder uh, draws us to the practice, uh, helps us to fall in love with the practice, uh, encourages us through all kinds of expressions like Buddha nature and the poetry of the way, and that to awaken to that. Um, when that, but you have to then uh, embody that awakening. Uh, you have to learn to express it, uh, even as it can't really be expressed. Uh, then you need to live it uh, so thoroughly uh, that you forget it entirely and enter your life in all <coughs> its full and dark complexity, including engagement with other people. In all... <laughs> and work! And... That's like coming down from Dayu Peak and entering the world, as the Buddha did. Uh, had his realisation outside of Mogadha, sat on that hill for three weeks, uh, enjoying the bliss of uh, realisation, enjoying that special sense of wonder. And then hearing this voice saying, Maybe there are a few people down there with only a little sand in their eyes. Maybe you could get down there and give them a hand. Um, that led to him work, walking for 49 years the back roads of India, uh, teaching. You have to re-enter your life. I have talked long enough about sense of wonder. Um, uh, I invite you to... to Talk about your experience of sense of wonder. It's nice to have a passion which is, yeah, which is light and, yeah, yeah, heart opening and fresh. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>